It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. We are back. College basketball starts in a couple weeks. Uh, I've got my guy Gavin here. Um, we are starting with the Pac-12. Welcome to the Run Pure Sports College Basketball Preview Show. Um, starting with the Pac-12 today, I guess you could say, uh, you could either say getting the worst out of the way first, or we chose Pac-12 because Gavin's on the West Coast. Um, you know, we're going to need to understand these teams' DNA so we can fire at those late night Saturday slates. One of my favorite things about the college basketball season, those four plus late Saturdays in the winter. What's going on, Gav? What's going on, man? Yeah, 29 days away. Um, you know, I think we're starting off with the Pac-12 for, for both of those reasons, if not for the fact that there's, you know, five or six real frontline guys in this conference, you might almost mistake it for the Big West. So there's going to be some really – Really bad bruises on this conference in terms of when we run down some teams. Um, and we'll see if anybody can challenge UCLA. It's kind of a, a one team and and who who the hell else knows. But let's dive in and see what we got. Yeah, I think there are a couple of interesting storylines before we go team by team. Um, we've got Tommy Lloyd's year two at Arizona. Uh, team loses a lot. You know, we'll be starting off with them. Um, like you said, the conference overall looks to be pretty weak. Not many all-American candidates coming out of this conference. It was actually, I was struggling to find like a fifth guy to put on the all conference team. Um, we've got UCLA, maybe like a flop lag spot after they were the media darling coming into last season. Uh, they bring in two uh, five-star freshmen to mix with their, uh, their, I would say Tiger Campbell and Hake is probably both first team guys. And then we've got Southern Cal moving forward without the Mobley brothers. Uh, it's going to be a different looking team for sure. Any quick thoughts on the storylines there? Yeah, Tommy Lloyd's going to have his work cut out for him this year. Um, you know, objectively, one of the five best coaching jobs last year. <clears throat> that also came with losing three players in the first 33 picks of the draft. So, yeah, USC has been a team that even as an alum, I felt they've, they've overplayed their talent. Um, a lot the past couple of years, a lot of that having to do with the Mobley brothers, but much different looking team with being probably guard centric this year and a couple of young frosh. And uh, 
Yeah, Hawkeyes and Tiger, they, they've been first-team All-Pac-12 for nine years already, so why yeah. not make them first-team for the 10? Yeah, so uh, we'll just get it started here. Uh, we'll go alphabetical order um, so we don't piss anyone off as far as who we think is going to be the best. So we'll start with Arizona. Uh, awesome, awesome team last year. Um, we both kind of rode them the entire year, especially in Daily Fantasy. They finished 33-4, and four, fifth at Ken Palm, 18-2 and two in conference. Um, they lose Benny Matherin, Christian Coloco, Dalen Terry, Justin Keir. Um, but they've got a lot coming in. Um, what do you think about the additions that, that they made, uh, both through the transfer portal and uh, the freshmen coming in? Yeah, the freshman's kind of easy. I think, uh, you know, this this Kylan Boswell, I always worry about reclass freshman point guards. Um, maybe maybe Askew has skewed my my mindset just for that reason. Um, <laughs> How does he not? <laughs> certainly didn't help that. He's not really a point guard, but, you know, these these kind of reclass guys, you definitely wonder a little bit. Um, you know, Dylan <laughs> Anderson's supposed to be a pretty formidable uh, four-star center. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to touch on much of these freshmen until we see him a couple games yeah. in, but – Bringing Courtney Ramey, uh, fifth-year senior from Texas, you know, stats should take a major uptick given uh, pace increase and kind of offensive scheme change from you know the slowest team in the country in Texas to one of the fastest in Zona. It's kind of weird that you know his his big rub with Texas last year was all about you know role and kind of the logjam with him, Andrew Jones, and Marcus Carr in the backcourt, and now he's coming in as probably you know the the third the third option at best scoring wise yeah. in the pecking order behind Tubelis and Kerr. Um, so we'll see how he kind of accepts that role, but you know, at least a guy who I think provides uh, a good consistent level of play versus someone like a Tubelis and a Kerr who are the two holdovers from last year's team, but we're also the two most inconsistent pieces from last year's team. And the main kind of fate of the team hinges upon whether they can produce night in and night out, obviously staying healthy is going to be a component of it. They both battled injuries at different part of the year, um, but you could definitely see Arizona, you know, right back in the top 25, if they're both kind of front of the line conference type players. Um, Cedric, Cedric Henderson from Campbell, you know, he's, he's more of going to be a guy off the bench, but um, unless one of the frost take a really big unexpected jump, uh, you know, I expect him to be kind of this, probably the seventh man, sixth or seventh man, depending on rotation. Uh, so we'll see. They bring in a couple interesting guys. And, you know, we know we got from Tubelis Kerr. And then, you know, we have Umar Bala potentially making the yeah. step up. Um, he's a really interesting piece that's getting kind of a lot of early early pub and kind of reminds me a little bit of a younger uh, Sonogo in a lot of ways. Yeah, so we saw Bala play really well off the bench last year, averaged just over 15 minutes a game. I think he's a guy DFS-wise that we'll be looking at early, especially um, – you know, I think he slots right into the starting five. And, you know, if his minutes tick up into the low 20s, um, he was over one fantasy point per minute last year off the bench. I think he's going to be super interesting right from the jump there. But, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that you had said earlier that this team is going to be a lot more volatile than they were last year just because of Tube and Kirk Creesa being that kind of player. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's on Crease's back here, um, the team. And then Tube has got to play uh, like an All-American or at least an All-Conference guy for them to stick in the top 20. Bart Torvik's got them 14th to begin the season. I, I think that's a touch high. 
personally. Um, just looking at their starting five and, you know, the depth isn't going to be as good as it was last year either. Um, there are some people who have Pelly Larson on their <laughs> all-conference teams. I think that, you know, that might have more to do with the weakness of the conference than, um, you know, faith in him. It's tough for me to see him getting there just as kind of a shooter only guy. What do you think about him? And then final thoughts on Arizona overall. Yeah. He had, he had some great efficiency numbers and kind of 20 ish, you know, minutes a game last year. That being said, you know, what was, what was the highest uh, scoring option he ever was on the floor? The fourth man, like to, to put the ball up on the floor, you know, I mean, so yeah, when you're, when you got to cover Matherin tube, you know, even kind of Dale and Terry came on late in the year and yeah, he's going to be wide open. It took a lot of, you know, low difficulty three pointers. So, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, Goodman's got the knee pads out for him. I don't know. I don't really see it. I think he's, <laughs> I think he's at best, you know, the fifth man and probably the the sixth man. Yeah. I, I, I don't agree with the, the all conference look. I mean, like you said, probably the fourth option on his own team. So, uh, yeah, I think Arizona's going to be good again, but I I don't see the ceiling that they had last year. And like we said, they're going to be volatile, but pieces that we're going to be able to play in DFS for sure, um, specifically Ballo, if he starts the year cheap. Yeah, I uh, think the other thing is I think this I think this Arizona is the biggest discrepancy from quality of offense to quality of defense in terms of, you know, in addition to that pace, they're going to put up a lot of points. You know, they got they got a couple guys that can, you know, put it in in spurts at uh, different times on the floor. But you know, you got major pieces to worry about on the defensive end. No Matherin, you know, Tubin Kerr liabilities. Ballo is much slower footed than uh, Coloco, and Dalen Terry was, you know, pretty much drafted in the first round for his defense. So, he was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to look much different on the defensive end. I think this year is where they're going to struggle. So yeah, definitely look at them. I think early for overs and for DFS. Yeah. I mean, the tempo ninth last year, I think that holds. And I think you're right. I think they come back down a bit defensively. So a spot to target for DFS for sure. Um, speaking of a, a team that we have targeted in certain spots the last couple of years, uh, coaches in trouble here. Arizona State go 14 and 17 last year, end up 97th at Ken Palm, 10 and 10 in conference. Torvik's got them 50th, though, to start the year, Gavin. Um, what do you think overall about Arizona State and who they brought in? Because they, I mean, he hit the portal hard here. Yeah, Bobby Hurley must have felt the fire finally. Um, I mean, you bring in both Cambridge brothers, uh, Desmond from Nevada, Devin from Auburn. Frankie Collins was the backup point guard at uh, Michigan last year. You know, Warren Washington was a, a stud center, center seven footer in Nevada with great foot speed. Like, oh yeah. And then you got the leading scorer from last year, DJ Horn, who like may not even start depending on yeah. kind of what this lineup looks like. Um, I think it's the most interesting team in the conference for sure. Uh, God forbid if Marcus Bagley can stay healthy, you know, for, for an entire season. Um, I think this team has ceiling to be the second best team in the conference if Bagley um, can stay healthy for most, if not all the season. I mean, all the pieces are there. Um, and it's it's a team that, you know, the thing about Bobby Hurley, I always kind of attached him to offense, right? But he's had one top 50 offense in the last seven seasons. So he's been able to coach up the defense more than we think. And with a lot of the guys on the roster, 
I don't really worry about much of the offense. You know, I think the offense more or less comes itself. Um, yeah, this team's going to score. It's going to be much yeah. more of a, you know, work in progress, I think, uh, in terms of Hurley needing to get his hands all over it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think this team takes a jump offensively. They were 294th in Ken Palm's adjusted offensive efficiency last year. Bringing in uh, Desmond Cambridge, I think, is just massive. Um, you know, he was kind of the second guy to Sherfield there at Nevada. I think the Collins pickup is awesome. We saw him play really well in the tournament. You re remember he started um, due to the injury. So I think that's a great pickup. Um, and like you said, this this roster kind of fits together well. Uh, I think, you know, the potential pitfalls, like you said, Horn being the leading scorer last year, is he going to be fine with being, you know, like the – the fifth option on this team, or, you know, is that going to cause some chemistry concerns? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the makeup of the starting five, at least. Um, obviously it looks a lot better if Bagley's healthy. I think that's the key. Glad that you think that, that this team has ceiling. Cause when I was looking at them, I was like, man, you know, especially in this conference, if I had to pick a team that uh, is kind of like the sleeper of the conference, I think it would be Arizona state. I think I think the team centers around, you know, Bagley's health around kind of the the chemistry and fit and a lot of these guys. And it might be DJ Horn who plays shooting guard and Cambridge has to start off the bench. A guy who, you know, was a 16 point scorer in Nevada a year ago. So, yeah, it, they they got an, they got enough here for sure. Um, they're not they're not losing really a ton from the team from last year. You know, Heath, Marion Jackson wasn't really what we thought he was going to be um, stepping up in competition. So. Yeah, we'll see. I, I really like this team, I think, uh, going into the year. It, these are one of the teams in the Pac-12 that feels like they've just been snake bit to shit the last two years. Like, yeah. you know, and Bagley obviously being at the center of that, whether injuries or remember the year when Remy's last year when they were, you know, like the sexy top 10, top mm -hmm. 15 team, and they just bombed to a different level. So I think we see a much different trajectory of the team this year. Yeah. So last thing on Arizona State. So we've seen them kind of turn into a, a team that's been anchored by their defense. Do you think Hurley flips that around this year and they're they're going to be able to score? Because the efficiency was not there last year, but it's basically a brand new team. And he's got the tools, I think, to make this an offensive centric uh, team. Yeah, right. It's it was it was kind of weird to see that he, Arizona state has not been the offensive kind of program historically. Do I think it goes that way? <clears throat> it very well could be. Um, yeah. It's the more I think about it, it's like this team is, I think going to tell us a lot the first three to five games of the year in terms of how they play. I don't see this being a, you know, slow paced execution, heavy team. There's, there's some guys that play really good in space, uh, and yeah. Warren Washington as a senior is going to beat just about any center rim to rim running the floor. So, uh, you know, it only kind of behooves them, I think, to speed up a little bit. You know, we'll see. It's really hard to tell. Every coach in the offseason says we're going to speed up, but who knows? Yeah, it's true. All right, let's 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 move on to uh, a really shitty team here. Cal. Uh, yeah, give me uh, 30 seconds. I'm getting another beer before this one. <laughs> so, Cal, uh, 12 and 20 last year, 142nd at Ken Palm. Um, just, just a team that, uh, we never really get to mainly because of the pace. 
uh, 330th adjusted tempo at Ken Palm last year. Uh, Bart Torvik to start this season's got them at 134. So basically holding about the same as they were last year. Um, they lose, uh, I'd say, just key pieces from that team. Two guys who got them to 12 wins, I think, without Andre Kelly and Antisevich, um, you know, it's an even worse team. They Jordan also Shepard was the leading scorer. He's gone. They also they also lose Jordan Shepard. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is this is a thin roster. They add Devin Askew from Texas. Um, what do you think overall about Cal here? Uh, <laughs> there's not much to say, but what do you think? Oh, yeah. Um, when your entire team centers around Askew, you're kind of behind the eight ball, right? Um, I mean, this team's in deep shit. Like when when you're when your best player who should have stayed, Andre Kelly, you know, Shepard was gone anyway, but Kelly transferred to UC Santa Barbara. And for good reason, UCSB is going to be better than Cal this year. Like yeah. I mean It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And so when it centers around ASCII, when you got a guy in, you know, Kwani Kwani, who we know we've had for the last three years, <laughs> Celestine has, has been, you know, whatever, a usable backcourt body. Same with Joel Brown. Thiemann is a, a weak antisevich, and I, you know what do you get with this? They the there's a, a the one piece I guess who could take a little bit of a leap forward is uh, Sam Alajiki. He was, you know, he shot fifty percent from three in a limited sample when uh, Andre Kelly was injured down the stretch. You know, as kind of a lengthy wing, so he could be decent and usable. But dude, this team is in bad shape. They got a guy. And Dewan Clayton, who <laughs> was he, he like 35? We joke, joke a lot of times, right? <laughs> this guy's in his seventh year of co- no, 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 no. This man is literally in his seventh year of college basketball. Okay, sat out at Hartford last year. Previous four-time All MEAC guy at Coppin State. Okay, but even in high volume, twenty-eight percent from three, forty percent field goal guy. I mean, and now he's taking a step up. So 
who knows what he's going to be. He's going to be a, a volume chucker, I guess. I don't know. This team's in deep trouble. Yeah, I think uh, – would you be shocked if we didn't use a Cal player the entire season? <laughs> Outside of, yeah, misprice or injuries or something like that, I, I would not mind. They're going to be slow as shit too. Yeah, so they're, they're going to play slow. They're not going to score. Um, they can't shoot. Um, not much interest here. They'll be battling uh, Oregon State for the basement of, uh, of this conference. Let's, let's move on to Colorado. Um, interesting team last year, they finished, uh, 21 and 12 79th at Ken Palm. Um, Torvik's got them 80th to start the year. Um, you know, their tempo is about average one sixtieth, uh, but they've got some big losses. I think, uh, starting with <laughs> Jabari Walker, who we loved awesome, awesome player. Uh, they lose Evan Batty, Bartholomew's gone. And uh, Eli Parquet has gone too. Um, I think there's some some really interesting players coming back here, though, Gavin. Starting with Simpson and De Silva. What do you think? Yeah, De Silva's getting a lot of pub. Um, I, I honestly, I think more of it has to do with the fact that his last name is De Silva, and his brother was a world beater a couple years ago at Stanford. More so than the fact that he's you know a legit potential uh, first team All Conference guy. You know. I got worries about KJ Simpson too. Um, you know, 2.7 assists a game to, to 2.2 turnovers, and he's supposed to be kind of the point guard of the team. So, you know, he's going to have to be making a big step up. But, you know, former top 100 guy, only shot 38% from the field. That that gives you some worries. Um, Simpson and De Silva, to me, feel like poor man's Creasa and Tubelis to an extent. Yeah, I think uh, I think Simpson can take a jump here. He he does have to shoot it better though. I think you mentioned twenty five percent from three is just not going to cut it. I think his so he played uh, he he averaged just over twenty minutes a game last year. We think that will be in the high twenties here now um, as the starting point guard. He's going to be running this team basically. Um, so yeah, I I, I think Simpson's going to be good. I think he's going to be cheap. And I think we're going to be able to play him in certain spots, especially early before uh, everything kind of corrects itself with new roles. So have a ton of interest in him. I'm on the same page as you with De Silva. I just don't think he's like, <laughs> I don't think he's that good, you know. Um, and I do like doing this uh, sheet that we do for the team research because, um, you know, guys who are high fantasy point per minute, just like, stick out and you can see breakouts coming and there's nothing on De Silva's page that, that screams that he's going to take a 30 year jump. Um, any thoughts there? And then last thoughts on Colorado overall, I think this team just doesn't have that much depth. Yeah. The depth is going to be an issue. Um, you got a couple of, of bench warmer guys stepping into now kind of more depth roles in Julian Hammond and Luke O'Brien what are they? Warm bodies at best, you know. Neat Clifford's probably going to be the the third option. I mean, you know, he's all right. <laughs> um, and then you know, Ethan Wright's going to have to continue to be a forty percent three point shooter. Princeton transfer, um, who you know rebounded well in the Ivy, where, where everybody is you know six three and below, and the centers are six five. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, I think it's it's definitely going to be an uphill battle. 
I, I think De Silva is going to be one of the guys early on in DFS who people are going to play at what they feel is a bargain price compared to all the pub that they're hearing about him and how, you know, good he can be. So like if, if he's going to be a chalk guy, you know, at, at something like 6,500 to seven K plus then, then yeah, I could be into fading him early. Yeah. I have much, much more interest in KJ Simpson personally from this team. Uh, Torvik's projecting Simpson for 26% usage. If that's the case, we are going to be playing some KJ Simpson. Um, but let's let's move on to a better team, a more fun team, um, Oregon. Oregon goes 20 and 15 last year, 82nd at Ken Palm. Disappointing year for Altman there. Um, Torvik's got him 37 to start the season, I think, uh, based on what's coming back and the makeup of this roster. I think that they can make a jump to get back in the top 40. Um, what do you think about their losses and who they're bringing in? Yeah, I think this might be a team that at least it sounds like through the tea leaves that did a little bit of addition by subtraction in terms of getting rid of some guys who sound like they might have been disgruntled. I don't want to name names, Davion Harmon, but um, <laughs> last year was a weird year for, for Oregon. It was the lowest – uh, adjusted defensive efficiency in Dana Altman's history at Oregon um, at 115th. They were actually 114th in 2015, but in the last 10 years, he's had no other season outside the top 100. So it was just kind of a really weird year last year. Um, it's going to be another odd-ish looking team in that you kind of have your, your set pieces in the backcourt in terms of Two of Will Richardson, Jermaine Cousinard, South Carolina transfer, and Keyshawn Bartholomew, Colorado transfer. It's likely going to be Will Rich and, and then one of those two guys. Then you got the the front court log jam of uh, Infali Dante. You got Nate Biddle uh, from last year, who didn't play a ton, but I think it was a former top 150 guy and and the one of the three bigs that can actually shoot from outside. And then you got um, Kalel Ware, you know, Friggin' top 10 recruit who from what it sounds like is a little bit more of a pro prospect. You know, one of these guys who's like, um, he's not going to be as stout and as physical as a Jalen Duran, but he's going to have a lot of similar body types or body comps um, in terms of length, twitchiness, stuff like that. So they really, they're going to be lacking on the wings. You know, what does Quincy Garrier do when you have, uh, those three bigs, you know, and is he going to play the four? Is he going to play the three? He took a step up shooting from three last year, which helped. So I definitely see Oregon taking a step forward. Um, just considering how bad last year's team was, but I don't really know what the ceiling of this team is because, you know, we kind of got, if Will Richardson isn't going to be a, you know, all American type talent, we kind of know what we have in him. I think the, the ceiling is going to be lacking on this team. Yeah. I do like the addition of Kuznard. He was, stuck on that South Carolina team where, you know, he was trying to play 12, 12 guys a game. Uh, so I think, you know, if he ends up starting, I, I have interest in him. He's, he's always been efficient for DFS when, when he's out there. And if he's going to see high twenties, you know, I could see us using some Kuznard in daily fantasy. I think the front court, like you said, is going to be an issue, not for them as a team, but for us trying to use them, for daily fantasy just because they have so many capable bodies and, and you're adding a top 10 guy 
Uh, I, I just pulled up where Gavin, he's seven foot two Oh five. So <laughs> string bean out there. Um, you know, yeah, but he's a guy that, so I, I think Oregon's going to have to play a lot of defense with these bigs, right? Um, yeah. you can literally play where out at the top of a one, three, one, like he's got that kind of athleticism, even for a seven footer. Yeah. And, uh, Torvik agrees. He's, he's got uh where projected for 70% of the minutes. So, Guy to keep an eye on early, um, top 10 freshman recruit. Uh, but, yeah, I think Richardson's going to be good. I think Gary is going to be good. Uh, I like Kuznard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like their starters. It'll be interesting to see how that front court kind of shakes out. Um, you know, this team loses Jacob Young, Harmon, Eric Williams <laughs> is, uh, is gone. Uh, but I think I like the roster better this year. I wasn't super high on Young and Harmon anyways. Um, any last thoughts on Oregon here? No, don't think so. All right. To your favorite team in the conference, Oregon State. Um, when when we were putting together their uh, their team tab, um, you kind of forget. They went 3-28 and 28 last year, Gavin. 274th at Ken Palm. And look at where Bartorvik's got them to start the year, 274th. Um, this team doesn't play with much tempo. Um, they lost, what, everyone? <laughs> Alatiche, Davis, Lucas, Silva, Maurice Kalou is also gone. Yeah, what is this? put it this what way. Is they lost like 80 to 90% of statistical production from a team that went 3-28. and 28. Yeah. What are you seeing here for Oregon State? <laughs> what am I seeing, huh? Wow. Is, yeah, this, is, is, this is this is probably the worst Power 5 team in the last 20 years that we're going to see. This is going to be dreadful. Like, Oregon State doesn't have the ability to just, you know, retool and re-recruit like a UCLA. So, you know, they had their they had their elite eight run off the backs of, you know, the, the coach's kids the year after Trace left, but, you know, the Ethan Thompson year, then they're really bad last year. Now they lose everybody. And it's kind of, I think they're going to, br they're bringing in, you know, four or five frosh that I think they're just going to play. And however many games they lose is however many they lose. And Tinkle's just going to try and kind of build a culture and a foundation and try to take a step forward for next year. But I think this, this is, this is such a bad team this year. So it's, it, you can't even articulate how bad this team is. Yeah, I think they're going to be worse than last year. Which is it's hard to sad. see how they're better than last year. Yeah, I mean, this team won three games last year, and uh, I don't see how they're going to win. I mean, how does this team beat anyone? Um, I think Glenn Taylor is going to be their usage leader. He's a sophomore, 6'6", wing. Um, and, I mean, the entire starting lineup is gone from last year. So, I mean, I guess – we might use them on, you know, like a, like a small slate or something, because all these guys are going to be free, especially to start the year because they didn't play that much last season. Uh, but I mean, this team is just going to get pounded. The defense was awful last year. Uh, 349th in defensive two point percentage Gavin. So I think there's a team where we'll be targeting their opponents um, against Oregon state. Any last words here? Yeah, there's, and the, well, the other thing about Oregon State, too, is um, now Wayne Tinkle's talking a lot about how he's he's going to have to speed these guys up because 
there, there is no prayer where they are able to execute in the half court at all, like against, you know, especially in conference. So you're almost going to have to kind of rely on some, some turnover, some hectic, some havoc on defense, you know, getting you some easy buckets. The one piece that is kind of interesting um, is Glenn Taylor, sophomore, 6'6", I think starts probably at the three. Most interesting tool set of the roster, you know, with some height. He's got some peripheral upside. But, you know, we'll see what kind of scoring acumen is in there. I don't know how much, but he should kind of be, you know, the main, I think, focal point of the team of, you know, of, of a bad team, none to say. But, he, you know, he could be at least one bright spot if we got to say one nice thing about him. Yeah, I think it's it's Taylor and Christian Wright, the Georgia transfer, as guys to keep the light on for. Um, and, and and we'll see how, how this team starts out. I don't uh, anticipate having them on many slates uh let's 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 go to a team that you know well uh southern cal 26 and 8 last year but 47th at ken palm um pretty easy non-conference i if uh my memory is right torvik's got them 40th to start the year um this team loses isaiah mobley so both of the mobley brothers have come through and left uh they also lose ethan anderson chavez goodwin uh but i kind of like this roster, it's super young um, outside of Ellis and Peterson. Um, what do you think about your, your squad's losses and who they're bringing in? Yeah, it's kind of weird that I'm as, I'm as down on them when I, I look at like their losses being Isaiah Mobley, like Chavez Goodwin, you know, Chavez is like 11 and four and 20 ish something minutes. Like he wasn't a world beater. Ag, uh, Agbong Polo was not a world beater, and Ethan Anderson was a beer keg on legs. Like it's not like they're losing a ton outside of Isaiah Mobley, and and how like how good was he? I mean fourteen and eight? You know, it looks good like on the surface, but man, I felt like he didn't even have that great as good of a year as he could have. Um, yeah, they bring in uh, two two main frosh. One is uh, Iwachukwu, who is supposed to be you know a lot more similar looking to Okongwu than he than he is to kind of the Mobley brothers in terms of um, being probably a little more defensive minded um, not really going to have much range kind of outside you know a couple feet and then another Kajani Wright who will play uh, the four you know it's basically inverted from a team that's been uh, front court you know relying independent uh, to now being you know anchored by two guards I mean they were the number two two-point defense in 2021 with Evan Mobley. They were number three in 2022 with Isaiah and Chavez Goodwin. And now they got two frosh, um, you know, in the front court. So it's going to be really weird looking. Um, Drew Peterson, like. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. 
Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Are people really calling this guy first team fucking all conference, dude? Oh my God. I, I hope he is. I, I hope he is. Yeah. I just, man, that's that might, that might be a little bit of a stretch. Um, I think he's probably a little more of a, a second team guy personally, but Boogie Ellis had a pretty good year transferring in from Memphis, kind of given the the point guard role reigns uh, didn't have to fight for it. And then Reese Dixon waters, I think is probably the most interesting piece, um, you know, outside of anybody we've mentioned as guy who only played like 14 minutes, um, you know, a game last year, but definitely had some interesting stretches. He's actually like a potential NBA prospect, like a three and D guy. Um, 46% from three on more than 50 attempts is a pretty good sample size um, to feel good about his shooting going forward. So um, look for him to potentially make a pretty good jump uh, for the team and probably start it at small forward. Yeah. Uh, when, when I was looking up the freshman, um, did you see this story about Iwachukwu having cardiac arrest during the summer during a practice? Oh, I don't know. We go. I don't know if, you know, how that's going to impact him to start the season. But um, yeah, just uh, know that that happened over the summer and keep tabs on that. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with the Peterson take. I feel like people are putting him first team because he's like a safe pick, right? You know, like if you put him first team, he probably ends up on the second team. You're like, Oh, you know, he, he made all conference, right? Like, does uh, he increase? Does he, Dude, 0.84 fantasy points per minute, that would have been higher than I would have thought that he was last year. I don't see him increasing that. I don't see him increasing 33 minutes a game. So it's like, what? how much more ceiling does this guy have in his sixth year that we haven't already seen in the first five, you know? Yeah, I think he is what he is. Same with Boogie Ellis, too. Um, I'm, I'm more interested, like you said, in Dixon Waters and like the Josh Morgans of the world. I think those guys are interesting, especially if they can push – you know, low twenties, mid twenties minutes. I think those guys are going to be interesting. Um, agree with you on Dixon Waters. Uh, I think they probably start what Ellis Peterson, Dixon Waters, and the two freshmen. Yeah, um, with, with Morgan being the backup for either of the uh, either of the two Frost. So Josh Morgan was a, I think he's a Long Beach State transfer um, who didn't play a ton last year, but really long body. Um, you know, interesting piece. I don't know. Hasn't really shown a ton in any sort of decent sample, but he's going to have to be really integral. God forbid if Iwachuk was dealing with, you know, heart issues, he's even going to have to be more integral, if not a starter. So we'll see. 
Yeah, I think uh, where Torvix got them is 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 about where where I would be in fortieth. I think they'll hang, you know, outside the top twenty five, you know, um, probably for the whole season. So, um, any last uh, thoughts on your alma mater before we move on? Nope. All right, let's go to a team that I think we both are higher on than most: Stanford. Stanford 16 and 16 last year, 106 at Ken Palm. Uh, they went eight and 12 in conference. They lose Jaden Delaire. That's pretty much all that they lost. And I think they brought in one of the most underrated transfers uh, in the portal. Um, what do you think about Michael Jones and the additions that Stanford made? Yeah. Um... You know, I mean, literally, literally one of the best shooters in the country, but without even, you know, a shadow of a doubt. So, um, you know, people people remember Kellen Grady transferring from Davison to a power five. And it was certainly slow going and the shooting was not, you know, what it translated to. I don't know if I would really worry about that too much, but I I think that Jones is going to be a great fit in this offense, especially because of kind of the point guard situation of this team, right? Um, O'Connell, like I had, I had serviceable last year, you know, he started 30 of the 31 games, but like he shot like shit from three. He can't, he literally can't shoot. He turns <clears throat> over twice a game, you know, like, so do you give Issa Silva a shot? I mean, oh God, like 14 minutes a game, you're asking a lot for him to step up as a point guard, even in a shared role. Um, Harrison Ingram is going to, you know, play some point forward type stuff. So, you know, the two Jones, Michael Jones and Spencer Jones, uh, I don't believe are related. That would be weird if they were, but, um, no, like, I mean, the two Jones are two of the best outside shooters in the entire conference. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting at least how he fits on the team. He's, he's the type of guy who'll fit on any roster. He's just a plug and play legit three point shooter. So yeah, he's legit. Yeah, I think this uh, team fits together really well. I think Harrison Ingram is going to be awesome. He was he was quietly really good as a freshman last year. Uh, I believe he was like a top 30 guy. Um, played 31 minutes average, 10.5 points, almost seven boards, um, 0.81 fantasy points per minute. I think that that ticks up. Love the talk about him playing some point four, just you know, adding another – way for him to rack up uh, fantasy points for us. Um, I'm super high on him. Uh, I'm with you on both the Jones guys. I think that the point guard is going to be an issue. They'll probably, I assume they just like start O'Connell and he'll be fine, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like this team a lot. Uh, I know you do too. I think this is um, a good sleeper team for the conference. I think it's, Arizona State and Stanford, as far as teams, you know, where we look up in uh, late February, like, oh, wow, you know, they're in the top four of this conference. Um, And they were the two teams in the conference that I felt like have just been crazy snake bit the last two years. Um, Remember even going back like two years ago with Stanford when like Dejon Davis was on the team and they, they would have like, you know, four scholarship players for a game. It was just a joke. Like and now they're returning everybody pretty much other than a Jalen Delaire who only really gave, he only gave more than 50% effort, maybe 50% of the time. So I'm not even worried about him being gone. Yeah. I think 
I think this is a fun team. I, I think they'll play well. Uh, I'm excited to use especially Harrison Ingram in DFS. Um, any last thoughts here before we move on? Yeah, you got kind of the front court rotation, James Keefe, Brandon Angel, and Maxine Reno. Um, who, with Ingram, too, you know, if they play Ingram at the four, if they play him at a point forward three, um, those will be kind of the three pieces that, you know, they all had kind of their spots where they were serviceable. Nobody's going to be a, a world beater by any means. Reno actually had a pretty high fantasy point per minute, kind of one of those uh, seven-foot Euro guys who uh, at least has the ability to shoot from the outside. So we'll see. Yeah, my last note would be they slowed down a lot last year. I think they yeah they ended up 252nd in tempo. I think that probably ticks up with more talent on the roster here. Uh, but you know that's just speculation. Um, let's let's move on to everyone's pick to win the conference. Rightly so, UCLA. Um, everyone loved them going into last year. Gavin and I were a little bit lower than the field on them going in. Uh, they end up 27 and 8, 11th at Ken Palm. Um, Torvik's got them ninth to start this season. I personally like this roster better than last year. What do you think about uh, the losses and who they're bringing in? They lose Juzang, Jules Bernard, who we loved, Cody Riley, Miles Johnson. Yeah, without Juzang, you almost wonder if, like, um the offense like moves better, you know, with the ball moves better without him. So um, I'm not even sure that he was, yeah, I'm not even sure that losing him is going to be that crazy or as, as, as impactful as I think a lot of people are going to believe it to be. You still have kind of the crutch of the team and Tiger Campbell, obviously, you know, senior point guard as steady as it comes. Hawkes can be a legit threat for like a first team all American. Um, dependent on how they want to, you know, divvy up how the rosters go, if they want to put 14 guys or whatever. Um, but that's really where the team's going to be centered around. Then you got to have the other two wings, Jalen Clark and, and David Singleton. Clark is much more of your um, on-the-ball wing defender who's going to be a lot more reliant on transition opportunities, on scoring on drives, on putbacks, versus Singleton's going to be your sharpshooter. Then he got the two uh, big freshmen, Amari Bailey and Adam Boda. So, you know, here's the thing. I, the issue I have with this team, okay, Tiger and Hawkes have both battled injuries throughout their careers, right? What happens if one of these guys ha- misses any extended time in the conference? Yeah, I mean, I think that this team is the most top-heavy of any – team in the conference i i think that's a great point right like like who even plays point guard if uh tiger goes down <laughs> I, I guess bailey but yeah i mean i think that's a great point um those two guys are going to carry this team but like you said if something happens uh the team is very very young behind them right uh you know they've got the two stud five stars coming in bailey and bona who i think are both going to start and be good. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great point. I think they're in deep shit if Tiger's hurt, especially uh, Tiger for any period of time. That's a great point. Yeah. And, and, you know, Bona, we'll see what he's like on the defensive end. I mean, losing Cody Riley and Miles Johnson is like, 
that's that's losing 40 minutes of elite rim protection. So, you know, we'll see what Bona does to pick up the slack probably by himself because they're really lacking interior rim protection. Um, so, yeah, that's the, the I don't know if I'm just if it's because I'm an SC alum and I just, you know, hate this institution. But I'm almost thinking like, man, if if we wanted to take like some crazy gambles on on someone to on a on a conference favorite not to win their conference, you know, UCLA is one injury away. Um, from Hawkeyes or Tigers. So it's something to think about at least. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Um, from everything I've heard, both of the freshmen are going to be really good, especially Bailey. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're leaning on two guys and then two freshmen. Um, I think I think that's a good point. I think that they could struggle a bit early out of the gate. Um I do think that the ceiling is there on the team just because of the talent that they're bringing in with the freshmen to combine with Tiger and Hawkes. I think the, and ceiling fit, is yeah, the freshmen fit perfectly with Tiger and Hawkes too. Yeah. I think that the ceiling is higher than it was last year, but I think you're right about the floor, um, especially with, you know, if anything happens, um, any last words here before we move on to Utah? Negative. All right, Utah, 11 and 20 last year, but 122nd at Ken Palm. Um, you don't normally see teams with a record like that in the top 150. They were 122nd. Um, Torvix got them 118th. So uh, this team loses David Jenkins. They lose Riley Batten. And uh, Booth Gotch is gone. He's not at Utah anymore, thank God. Um, did they bring anyone in or is, was it just international guys? Um, what are they adding here, Kevin? Um, Mike Saunders was a, a since he transferred and likes, likely backs up uh, Raleigh Worcester at point guard. But other than that, um, it's a, a lot of holdovers from last year. Yeah. So this team centered around Brandon Carlson, um, super efficient guy. He was, he was over one fantasy point a minute last season, which is, something that we love to see, especially for big men. Average 26 minutes a game last year, battled some injuries. I, was it a foot? There was a, a couple of weeks where, where he was questionable and, and out. And it was, yeah, it was and two stuff. stretches where one was COVID and then it lingered. And then the other was an appendectomy that the recovery oh, right. kind of lingered too. So he missed some good stretches of the year. Yeah, I think so. You know, if he has a clean bill, pushing 30 minutes a game with that efficiency. I think he's he's a guy that we can definitely look to play for DFS. Um, outside of Carlson, is there anything that you like on this team? Maybe some Raleigh Wor Worcester or Marco Anthony or something? You know, you got to like Marco Anthony, you know, following uh, Craig Smith from Utah State. Like power forward, Swiss Army knife. Like Anthony and Carlson give you – really good versatility because Carlson's a guy that can shoot from outside. Um, Anthony, not as much, but Anthony's kind of a guy who you can put at the top of the key to run, a, you know, a high post offense through out of, out of the four. Um, <clears throat> I think that, I think that Carlson has legit first team uh, all conference upside. If he can stay healthy uh, for an entire year, his senior year where, you know, he's going to be the go-to guy unquestioned on the team. They got Lazar Stefanovic. Um, Maybe another, it almost seems like a Kirk Kreese, a cousin, you know, some YOLO Serbian chucker um, who he, he can shoot a little bit. You know, he went for double digits uh, 10 different times, four from seven, 
four seven from three for UCLA, five and nine versus Oregon State, but he's also had his you know fair share of zero seven. So, um, you know, we'll see what we get from him, and you know, we we know we have from Worcester, just kind of a steady returning starting point guard from last year, uh, better kind of DFS guy than just outright score, but you know, I'll uh, I'll bet on Craig Smith. Last year was just kind of a, a really bad initial kind of first year for him i think they can really only go up from here frankly yeah i think this team's you know he brought in some depth pieces that i think are going to help them throughout the season not guys that we're going to play in dfs but adding you know a carlson and saunder it's just more depth for a team that um their bench was really really bad last season uh, i think that's a good point on marco anthony i think he's just going to play a shitload of minutes right so he's going to be out there a ton just racking up points. Um, so I, I like him a good bit, really like Brandon Carlson. Um, you may have buried the lead a bit, you know, we're doing our all conference teams later. Um, I do like Carlson a, a ton. Um, any last thoughts here on Utah? Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, I don't think so. You know, last year felt like they were just kind of catching teams fortuitously, um, you know, on the back end of that mountain uh, road trip. But I think we'll see a much better performance from them this year. Yeah, same. All right, let's let's go to Washington. 17 and 15 last year. They finished 110 at Ken Palm. Um, Torvik set them 84th to start the season. I think that they had an awesome offseason, especially in the transfer portal. So they lose Terrell Brown, who was, wow, was he awesome last year, Gavin. Um, kind of out of nowhere. What a wagon, dude. What a friggin' wagon last year. At least in my eyes. I mean, were you expecting a Terrell Brown breakout like that? No, um, Terrell, I couldn't believe that in mid-February, we were just blind-locking him in every slate. And he at was 9K. laying 40, <laughs> 50 bombs down every time. He averaged 21.7 points a game last year. So they lose him. Massive, massive loss. Emmett Matthews, I believe, is is back at West Virginia again. Um, Imagine. Dejan, Dejan Davis is gone. And thank God Nate Roberts is gone. I, I hated playing that guy. Um, but they ha- they add some interesting pieces in the portal. What do you think about uh, the losses and who they're bringing in? Yeah, it's look when when you're gonna lose Terrell Brown, your your entire team is is gonna change looks. I mean, you're you're not gonna have another guy, one who can produce at that level on Washington, or two who should even be trying to you know shoot at that volume or type of usage. Um, 
But going into the portal, you know, Noah Williams from Washington State, first one, uh, who was he was a guy who kind of got a raw deal when uh, Washington Wazoo transferred in two uh, guards in front of him last year, and he kind of got squeezed out a little bit with the other guys being more efficient, reliable veterans. I think that work for um, that work for Wazoo. So now he's going to have more, you know, control of the offense as as probably the lead point guard. He's not the most efficient guy ever, but we saw him, you know, go bananas in Washington State a couple times. Now, did he score 40 points on 35 shots? Maybe. Um, but at least we can see that, you know, he can kind of shoulder a load uh, for a team. And, you know, now he's going to be going into his senior year. Should expect a pretty good step up from him. And then uh, Keon Brooks. How does he end up at Washington? I, I have no clue, but, you know, the Kentucky – uh, kind of four man who I think fits in really well for what Mike Hopkins wants to do here. He kind of got log jammed, you know, at Kentucky. So should be, I imagine the focal point of the offense along with, you know, Noah Williams, he'll probably be the first look uh, <laughs> off the ball. So yeah, two, two great pickups in the portal. And then Frank Kepning, uh big from Oregon, serviceable, not going to be anything outstanding, but uh good rim running rim protector. Yeah. I, I think, this team's not going to be that good, but I'm excited for Daily Fantasy. Um, you know, we saw them really push the pace last year, too. We hadn't mentioned that yet. 59th in tempo. So, I mean, I've I've always been a no Williams guy. I agree that he kind of just got lost in that Washington State rotation. I think he was probably a bit frustrated with what his role ended up being, you think? Uh, and kind of the same deal for Keon Brooks. And they both come in together, and I think they're going to be um, the two studs on this team. And I think we're going to be using both of them in DFS pretty often. I think that this team's going to run through them. I think they're going to play a shitload of minutes. I think they're going to take a ton of shots. Um, you know, we've seen Keon have good games as kind of, you know, like the fourth or fifth option. I'm excited to see what he can do when he's, he's the guy, right? I think he's got the ceiling in him. Um, so super excited there. Outside of those two, I don't know where we're going to go for DFS. Uh, I think um, we can keep an eye on Ketnang if he starts and they're giving him, you know, low to mid-20s minutes. I think he could be interesting uh, just because of the efficiency. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's Williams and Brooks and really excited about both guys there. Um, any last thoughts? Yeah, Jamal Bay comes back. He'll be the third option. 72 career starts and and actually uh, the lead, I guess the highest score remaining from last year. Um, two steals and blocks per game. That's a that's a phenomenal number for a guard. I, that kind of just stood out to me as like, holy shit, you almost never see that um, for yeah. anyone. And you re- almost only see it for centers. But yeah, pretty good 3 and D guy. Um you know, we'll see what we get from <laughs> PJ Fuller. Will probably be like uh, the the first guard off the bench, but then you got Cole Byama, uh, just a kind of gnarly sharpshooter who really don't do shit outside that. Yeah, so I think this is a this is an interesting team. Not you know in real life as far as wins, but I think that we will be playing some Keon Brooks and some Noah Williams this season. Let's go to our last team here. We got Washington State. Always, always a tilt fest uh, with Washington State and their rotations, especially in the front court. Um, if you thought it was bad last year, well, he's running it back. They go 22 and 15 
but 54th at Ken Palm. Um, Torvik's got them 54th to start the year. This team was really, really good defensively last year, Gavin. 28th uh, at Ken Palm in his adjusted um, efficiency metric. They lose Michael Flowers. They lose Tyrell Roberts. They lose Noah Williams, who we just talked about. Um, what do you think about uh, the losses um, and the additions for Washington State? They bring in uh, Powell, who we've seen um, throughout the SEC in his first two years. Yeah, I mean, you, I can't believe you forgot F.A. Abagidi. How, how, how terrible. Oh, F.A. I, mean, I had to pound the table for it for two years, and they finally started playing him at the back end of the second year, and he gets drafted weird. He was good, man. Um, so yeah, you know, you're losing obviously a lot of backcourt, uh, production in addition to an NBA guy in FA, but Justin Powell. Yeah. It's a good question with what we got from him. Uh, he showed some pretty gaudy stats in limited sample at Auburn. Um, he also had like an O rating of 91 against tier a competition. So a lot of it was beaten up on the sisters of the poor, uh, in, in non-con. So you know, he got log jammed at Tennessee and should be the lead point guard here. Um, and when when TJ Bomba is your backcourt mate, um, they're going to be hoping that you're going to be the one doing more of the scoring because <laughs> it ain't going to be TJ. So, yeah, Powell's, Powell's really going to have to not only score, but he's going to have to shoot well from the outside just to give this team some spacing as I don't know how much more outside scoring that, you know, they're going to have outside those two guys and uh, Jack Amofsky. Yeah, the, um Powell is super interesting. Like you said, we saw him play really well before. Was it like a concussion that he got at Auburn where he was basically out the rest of the season after that? Yeah, and they never um, like definitively said if he was – they just said he was day-to-day and he was out for like three months. Yeah, I think this is a this is a cool spot for him, right? Because I think they're just going to give him the keys. <laughs> yeah, you know, 28th and 24 defense with the last two years for Wazoo. You don't typically associate that with Justin Powell, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. so 6'6", six, six, uh, point guard. Uh, Torvik's got him projected for 81% of the minutes. If that's the case, we are going to be playing some Justin Powell. He's going to be cheap. Um, he's a good shooter, too. Um, you've, you've got here uh, 44% at Auburn, so – I think Powell is super interesting. And the other guy who we like, Mo Gee is back after what I thought was just an awesome freshman season. Um, hoping that his minutes tick up. He averaged just a hair over 22 minutes a game last year. Was was super efficient um, within those minutes. I think if he pushes high 20s, um, he's going to be awesome. Uh, but they've got a lot of bodies in the front court. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, they they actually fit together relatively well, though. Jackson is going to be – Deshaun Jackson and DJ Rodman are going to be more your defensive hustle guys. And then, you know, Mogi can play a little bit, not really on like the three-point perimeter, but at, at least, you know, more than three feet away from the basket like Jackson and Rodman can. And then Jack Mofsky obviously can shoot from three. So – I kind of like how it fits together. The the only thing is, Mogi is just so much better than the other three guys. I mean, it's not even close. If if they're not playing him thirty plus minutes, what the fuck are we doing? Like, um, I, I think we could definitely see a similar type 
uh, jump that FA made where, you know, he, he becomes an NBA guy really quick because some of the tools that he brings, I mean, yeah. I have here, I think he's the best defender in the conference. And I don't think it's really close, frankly. Um, just what he can do from a versatility standpoint, like maybe one of the only guys who can guard, you know, potentially one through five in the conference. I mean, he's got that kind of foot speed, length and athleticism. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I think he's a really interesting piece for this year for Wazoo. Yeah. Love him. Um, all right. So that's, that's all the teams we we've hinted at some first team stuff, some breakout guys. So why don't we go right into that? Um, who is your Pac-12 first team? Well, I think you got the three autos with Tiger, Will Rich, and Hawkins. Then I think it comes down to three to four guys. And I went with Tube, Azolas Tubelis, and I went with Harrison Ingram. Over I did too. I did too. I went with Ingram, dude. Like I, I could see, I could see Ingram having an unreal year. Especially, he's going to have another year to fill out his body, which will only make him more effective uh, playing from the post. Like he's got more shooting around him than he's ever had, and Stanford's going to be better. I, I just really like the step that Ingram's going to make this year. So, yeah, I think, I think other than those five, you know, you're looking at Carlson, maybe Kerr Creso, or like a Drew Peterson. Yeah, so I I actually didn't have Peterson and I didn't have Richardson. I think that Richardson will likely be first team, but I but I wanted to get Brandon Carlson on there. So mine is Tiger, Hawkes, Ingram, Tubelis, and Carlson. Um, I went for more ceiling guys than you know the tried and true safe picks. You know I think that guys like Richardson and Peterson have awesome floors, but I think. You know, guys like Ingram and Carlson, given the situations and uh, good health, I think could could have really good seasons. Um, what about some breakout guys? You know, we've touched on. I think there's two guys that you can choose in, in this conversation. For breakout guys, I only listed three so for the entire I'll let you conference. go first and then I'll pick the other one I have. Yeah, so we we just talked about him. Mo Gee, I think uh, a clear breakout guy. Um, I'm not sure if he qualifies as, all right. So, so he only averaged seven and a half points a game. So yeah, I think that he can qualify. I think, like you said, uh, if they play him 30 minutes a game, I think this guy gets drafted. Um, we you might get love, drafted with less than 30 minutes a game because <laughs> team C is tools. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, so he's, he's my number one breakout guy. Um, I think that, he is like the top tier, and then there's a gap. Um, who else did you have? Umar Balo season, baby. <laughs> me too. I got him. <laughs> I, I think those are the two main guys that it came down to for me. Um, like I said, he's not he's not Coloco. He's not what Coloco was for them last year. Um, he's going to be much more the Sonogo, where he's just going to physically brute his way to you know thirteen and nine as long as he stays out of foul trouble, most games that he gets, you know, 22 to 27 minutes in. Um, Fitz, you, you don't need to take Tubella. You don't need to take him off the floor to play Tubellis and vice versa. They fit really well together. So I, I love Ball of this uh, for this season. Yeah, we saw him just absolutely smash even off the bench last year in minimal playing time. I think he's he's a <laughs> red star. Circle him. We're going to jam him early, Gavin. Um, I had 
two other guys that I had written down that are in a tier below those two. I had KJ Simpson just because, you know, they're handing the keys over to him. Sophomore season point guard. Uh, I think he should make the list. And then I put uh, Reese Dixon Waters from USC. Okay, not sure if, I, I will accept that. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's going to get the usage to, you know, fully break out on a team. But, uh, yeah, so those are the four guys I listed. Um, you want to touch on who you think are going to be, like, the highest impact transfers before we get out of here? Yeah, I think it's another two-man discussion. And so do you want to pick Keon Brooks or do you want to pick Justin Powell? Uh, Keon Brooks was number one on my list, but Powell uh, is – yeah, so I listed five guys and Powell is on, is on my list. I got Brooks. I got Frankie Collins uh, at Arizona State. I think he's going to step in and be the point guard from day one. We liked what he did at Michigan last year. I think he starts off the year pretty cheap. I think we'll be playing him. And then um, Desmond Cambridge, I also listed. So Arizona State, uh, two of my four guys that that I have on here. Anyone else? No, I mean, yeah, part of the I, – I didn't list them because I, I think they're going to cannibalize each other to, to a certain extent. But um, I don't have any issues with either of those guys. Yeah, so awesome. So uh, our first conference is done, the Pac-12. We've got four weeks until the games start. Um, 29 days, 29 days. We're, we're within a month. We've got our champions classic tickets purchased. Uh, we will be, uh, at those games in Indy. I believe it's November 15th, uh, two awesome, awesome matchups in the first couple weeks of the season. Um, check us out. We will be doing one of these for each of the major six conferences. Uh, we're doing big 12 next. Uh, so make sure to, uh, Take a look at that. We're going to be doing the same um, setup. So, you know, we're do some storylines, go through the rosters, breakout guys are uh, all all first team, stuff like that. So um, we will be back with the Big 12 video a little bit later. See you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.